listeners, and welcome to Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a bi-weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends. The monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. Everyone's got opinions on where they live, and where everyone else lives in relation to them. It's a natural way humans relate to the concept of geography, and our inability to be in every place at once. And if you live in the northeastern section of the United States, it's very probable that you have strong opinions on the states around you, particularly New Jersey. And unless you're listening to this episode from New Jersey, it's very likely that your opinion on New Jersey is not entirely positive, especially if you live in, say, New York. But this negative opinion you have of New Jersey is not a complete view of the place, because you haven't seen New Jersey until you've seen the Pine Barrens. The New Jersey Pine Barrens is an area of over 1.1 million acres, or 4,500 kilometers squared, of dense pine forest that remains largely undisturbed despite the dense populations of New York and Philadelphia that border it on either side. The Pine Barrens is home to an incredibly diverse ecosystem of carnivorous plants, unique orchids, and pitch pines so named because of their ability to withstand and thrive after forest fires. This would be enough to designate the Pine Barrens as a special place, but the area is also home to some rare and unusual fauna. For example, this forest is one of the last strongholds of the eastern timber rattlesnake, a rare species of darkly colored rattlesnake native to the northeastern seaboard. More recently, the Pine Barrens are also welcoming back populations of black bears and bobcats, which had been driven out of the area by historic hunting pressures. But these are not the rarest creatures you can find in the Pine Barrens, because the Pine Barrens are also home to a creature that is so rare that it's never been photographed. A creature that makes sightings of white deer and black ghostly hounds in the same area seem less interesting. A creature that some people think is the Christian devil, given flesh. The origin story of the Jersey Devil is actually quite unique among cryptids, because there's both a popular fiction account of the specific family behind it, and a real, documented account of the family as they were. The most common origin of the Jersey Devil has a few different variations, but the idea is that in the rural community living in the Pine Barrens in 1735, there was a poor woman named Mother Leeds, who had 12 children by a man that could not provide for the large family. The woman discovered she was pregnant with a 13th child, and, frustrated, she cried, Oh, let this one be a devil! When it came time for the baby to be born, Mother Leeds called the midwife to her home, and the midwife came and stayed with the family 
helping the woman labor through the dark and stormy night. When the child was finally born, he was a beautiful baby boy. At first, then the infant began to change, his feet becoming cloven hooves, his face becoming the face of a goat as he shrieked and kicked. He sprouted wings from his back, and out from his spine slid a forked tail. The tiny creature lunged at the midwife, killing her. He then yelped, spreading his new wings and flying up the chimney and into the waiting forest. The real story, though, is actually more complicated. In 1677, a Quaker man named Daniel Leeds from Leeds, England, arrived in Burlington to help counsel the new royal governor, Lord Cornbury, as he set about trying to govern the Quaker colony in what would come to be known as New Jersey. The only problem was, even though he was a Quaker, the other Quakers didn't like Daniel Leeds very much. He had a couple of strikes against him. He was originally from a noble family, a fact made evident by his family crest bearing three wyverns and his fellow Quakers frowned on his usage of the crest for both flaunting his status and the creatures on it. He was fiercely loyal to the crown, which didn't always have the colony's best interests in mind. Daniel also married four women over the course of his life. The first died in England, the second with her daughter in childbirth, and the third after eight children which was a lot even by Quaker standards. But the final straw was the almanac. In 1687, Daniel Leeds began publishing an almanac. However, some important members of the Quaker community, after reading the publication, began to complain that Leeds's predictions of the movements of the stars and the astrological names and symbols related to that were too pagan. An order was put out to collect all copies of the almanac and destroy them. You can imagine how well Daniel Leeds took that. Furious, he continued to publish the almanac and devoted the rest of his time to writing a series of pamphlets that went after Quakers, attacking the group as being anti-English rule and ultimately anti-monarchy. In response, the Quaker leader at the time, George Fox, published a pamphlet stating that Daniel Leeds was falsely accusing the Quakers of wrongdoing, and the leaders of Quakerism in Daniel's town accused Daniel of being evil. Another pamphlet in defense of Quakerism just flat-out publicly accused Daniel of working with the devil. And then there was Franklin. In 1716, Daniel Leeds, still making his almanac out of spite, turned the family business over to his son, Titan Leeds. Titan redesigned the cover of the almanac to feature his family's crest. And, as the only man in the almanac game, all was well for a while. And then, in 1732, a brash young man named Ben Franklin came out of nowhere with an almanac entitled Poor Richard's Almanac. In his 1733 edition, Franklin, not known for mincing his words, 
used his astrological techniques to predict that Titan Leeds would die on October 17th of 1733. Now, this being the same year the almanac was published, and Titan being in good health, obviously, the date came and went without Titan dying. But Franklin's intended joke did not sit well with Titan, who said Franklin has manifested himself a fool and a liar. Franklin then doubled down on his very funny joke, claiming that the real Titan Leeds would never say such things about his best friend Benjamin Franklin, and so this man writing to him must be a ghost. Every time he mentioned or interacted with Titan from then on, Franklin referred to his rival publisher as a ghost, even after the man's actual death in 1738. Interestingly, this time period of the 1730s, when Titan Leeds from the evil Leeds family is publishing his almanac with a wyvern on it and getting called a ghost, is almost universally cited as when the Jersey Devil first makes its appearance. I should also mention, another name for the Jersey Devil is the Leeds Devil. And if that were the end of the story... I would almost be tempted to chalk the Jersey Devil up to colonial period goss and slander. The thing is, the devil was far from done. Throughout the 18th century, there continued to be sporadic reports of the Jersey Devil and sightings. And not just by anybody, either. In 1820, Joseph Bonaparte, elder brother of Napoleon, claimed to have seen the Jersey Devil while hunting on his Bordentown estate. He recounted that he encountered the creature on a night with a full moon, and that it stood tall on two legs ending in cloven hooves, regarding him for a minute before taking off into the night sky. In the 1840s, the Jersey Devil was blamed for a rash of livestock killings accompanied by mysterious tracks and screams. In 1887, a newspaper published one account of The Devil of Leeds, in which a resident of Burlington County said of the creature, Whenever he went near it, it would give a most unearthly yell that frightened the dogs. It whipped at every dog on the place. That thing is not a bird nor an animal, but it is the Leeds Devil, according to the description and it was born over in Evesham, Burlington County, a hundred years ago. There is no mistake about it. I never saw the horrible critter myself, but I can remember well it was roaming around the Evesham woods fifty years ago, and when it was hunted by men and dogs and shot at by the best marksmen there were in all South Jersey, it could not be killed. And then there were the sightings of 1909. During a single week, January 16th to the 23rd, newspapers in New Jersey published hundreds of eyewitness encounters with the creature. Sightings included attacks on a trolley car full of passengers in Hayden Heights and on a social club in Camden. Police in Bristol, Pennsylvania opened fire on the creature and reportedly had no effect. Some encounters were as small as mysterious cloven hoof prints in the snow. Some, like the following encounters, 
were a little more personal. On January 19th, Mr. and Mrs. Nelson Evans were awakened in the early morning by the sound of something scrabbling along the roof of their shed. Alarmed and fearing an intruder, the couple quickly got dressed and went outside to locate the source of the noise. And then, they saw it. Perched on their shed was a creature unlike anything they had ever seen. They described the creature as about three and a half feet high, with a face like a collie and a head like a horse. It had a long neck, wings about two feet long, and its back legs were like those of a crane, ending in horse's hooves. It walked on its back legs and held up two short front legs with paws on them. The creature flew away shortly after the couple spotted it. A day later, A Mrs. J. H. White was taking clothes off her clothesline in her backyard when she noticed a strange creature crouching in the corner of her yard. She screamed, chasing the monster with a clothesline prop until it leapt over the fence and vanished. People from New Jersey are not afraid of anything. One of the last incidents of the week involved the devil just trying to get a snack. Mrs. Mary Sorbinski in South Camden had just let her dog out into her backyard for an evening potty break when she heard the dog yelping in the darkness right outside her porch. Concerned, and likely on edge from other reported sightings, she dashed outside to find the Jersey Devil itself in her backyard, with its talons around her dog. Mrs. Sorbinski ran back inside and grabbed her broom, Striking at the devil until stunned, the creature let her dog go and fled. Mrs. Sorbinski carried her wounded pet inside and immediately called the police. These sightings prompted schools all around the surrounding counties to close, and for the next several weeks, vigilante groups roamed the Pine Barrens in search of the creature. During this period, even the Philadelphia Zoo got in on the action, posting a $10,000 reward for the creature. Their offer, of course, was met with a lot of knockoff devils, including a live kangaroo, equipped with artificial claws and bat wings. Sightings of the devil continued with less frequency throughout the 1900s, with the last well-known sighting being reported by a forest ranger named John Irwin. The ranger was driving along the Molica River in southern New Jersey when he suddenly found the road ahead of him blocked. Blocked by a creature he had never seen before. He described it as being about six feet tall, with horns and matted black fur. The creature and he looked at each other, and then it turned and ran back into the woods. So, what was the Jersey Devil? Well, if you're an ornithologist, you might be tempted to say a sandhill crane. Sandhill cranes are native to the area and are some of North America's largest birds, getting up to the size of a small person. They have long necks, and one could see how seeing a giant, unfamiliar bird 
taking off on a dark night sky might start a panic. The thing is, though, these people were all natives to the area. They knew what their local birds looked like. Okay, well, maybe the devil's appearance and description is an exaggerated way to throw shade at the Leeds family for their wyvern crest. But if that's the case, what did the people in 1909 see? Maybe we'll never know. Or maybe we someday will. Because what's interesting about the devil is that, unlike cryptids that had a rash of sightings and then disappeared, like the Mothman, sightings of the Jersey Devil still occur sporadically to this day. So, if you find yourself in New Jersey anytime soon, who knows? Maybe you'll get to see for yourself. That's all this week for the Jersey Devil. I hope you've enjoyed this naughty dog-stealing goat dragon. And if you want even more sightings, I advise you to look for tracks in the show notes. Intro and outro music, as well as musical score, were done by probable Jersey Devil and music producer Scott Ethington. No, really. He's from New Jersey. For all I know, he actually is. Find more music to spread hot Quaker gossip with at Bazooka Raccoon on SoundCloud.com. Finally, if you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, anyone can be a monster. Monster.